Hello, and welcome to The Purpose. I'm Bill Brunson. And I'm Chip McClure. And today we're going to be talking about a story from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning in the second verse. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped him, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This story and this, this moment in the life of Jesus comes to us every year around this time. It, it's like when you're at an event and you have certain things on the event, uh, the event schedule, and it doesn't really matter what's going on prior. When those moments come, it's an order of the day, and regardless of whatever's happening around you, that has to stop because you have an order of the day. Maybe it's lunch that's going to be at noon, and so you may have debate going on on the floor or a presentation happening. Well, they'll stop the presentation. They'll stop the debate and say, we'll pick this up later. We have an order of the day. It's now time for lunch. We'll see you back in an hour kind of thing. This is, in the Christian year, an order of the day. Because we have been going along, reading from Mark's gospel, past couple of uh, episodes have been in the first chapter of Mark, and now here we are in the ninth chapter. And the reason we're in the ninth chapter is because we're about to enter the season of Lent. And, and so when we enter the season of Lent, uh, we're in a time of preparation, making our journey toward the uh, observation of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Jesus dying on the cross, and Jesus being placed in a tomb, and then Jesus rising from the grave. And so, on the Sunday before we enter the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday, every year we have Transfiguration Sunday. And that's because after the Transfiguration, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. This is a hinge moment in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Everything before this has been getting us to this moment, and now from this point until the crucifixion, Jesus is and his disciples are traveling toward Jerusalem. And so he has been in Caesarea Philippi with the disciples, and there he is asked, who do people say that I am? And, and they answered random ideas. And then he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter had remarked, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus had told them about the fact he was going to have to die and then rise. And, of course, Peter didn't like that. Uh, but it was the truth. 
And now, six days later, Jesus has taken them from Caesarea Philippi and gone further north in the, in the country of Israel, and he's taken them up on Mount Hermon, uh, which is a very high mountain about a six-day walk from, uh, from uh, Caesarea Philippi. And there, they're all alone. And a lot of things happen in this passage. Um, and you have his clothes change. He becomes da- his clothes becomes dazzling white, and I like how this translation says it: whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. See, I think that would be a great opportunity for OxyClean to try to to do a sponsorship of Transfiguration Sunday, but. But even their 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 whiteness was not bright enough. Uh, not bright enough. You know, maybe they could say almost as bright as Transfiguration Sunday. Right. And so OxyClean, if you're listening, we could be sponsored by OxyClean once a year. That'd be great. Well, so you have that happening. So his clothes change, and suddenly the disciples, for the first time ever, are seeing him in a glorified state. And so that's pretty impressive. And then Elijah and Moses appear. And they talk with Jesus. And they appear, I mean, you have Elijah, who is the greatest of prophets in the in the Jewish people among the Jewish people, and he is there representing the prophets. And then you have Moses, the great giver of the law, who is there representing the law. And if you read this story from the Gospel of Luke, you find out the content of what they're they've come to talk to him about. They haven't just appeared as a check-in you know they haven't shown up and said you know your dad sent us to check in on you see how things are going if you need anything no it's not something that pleasant luke tells us that they have appeared to talk with him about his death his departure and so they're there as almost a reassurance and maybe even a pep talk for Jesus, uh, as the human side of him might be already getting anxious, and they're there to tell him and remind him what his departure would be like, and that it's now time. I mean, he's gone through two Passovers with his disciples since he began ministry, and nothing happened. But this Passover, this time when he goes to Jerusalem, when Passover happens, he will now be the the ultimate Passover lamb. And so they're there to talk to him about that. You know, there's a lot of symbolism uh, here from Moses when he ascended the, mount, the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. Uh, you have a high mountain. Um, you have uh, Moses was transfigured uh, when, when, when he came down the mountain. The, the, the children of Israel did not know what to do with the, the very brightness of his face. Uh, you have the cloud that, that followed the people of Israel. Um, and so, so you have a lot of these um, uh, symbols that, that go back to the time that Moses received the law. But, and you also have the presence of, of the Father who says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And, and so just as Moses experienced God on the mountain, so on this mountain, uh, the disciples are experiencing uh, both Elijah and Moses, but also God the Father. Right. It's a uh, it's a it's a powerful powerful moment. 
And for for us, we we read this and we read what Peter Peter's response, and we see that Peter's response to all of this sounds a bit odd because Peter decides, you know, and I always wonder were Jesus was Jesus still standing there, glowing white, Moses and Elijah talking with him, they're carrying on a conversation, and Peter walks up and interrupts them. I've always wondered if there if he interrupts because it says out of the blue, Peter just walks up and says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Um, let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Yeah, I, I think Peter's one of those people that when he gets nervous, he starts talking. And it gets in a lot of trouble in the New Testament. I mean, it, it also reveals a lot of things. I mean, he's willing to speak when the other disciples are all silent. But I think he's just one of those people that when he gets kind of nervous, he starts talking and kind of rambling. But, but it is fascinating what he recommended here uh, was to set up a more permanent structure so that Jesus and Moses and Elijah would have a shelter to stay there. And it becomes sort of a, a more permanent uh, situation. But this was a this was a one-time thing for Jesus. I mean, he was uh, this is preparing him for uh, what's coming uh, in, in in Holy Week. And uh, so he um, he, he kind of rambles, but it, it also it also reflects a, a tendency of human beings to want to take those moments on the mountain when we experience God almost in a, in a real way and sort of glorify that forever and say, well, that's we've got to recreate that. We've got to we've got to make that permanent. When in reality, God is always coming in new ways. And in in places that we never expected. Absolutely, and I mean it's it's amazing. Peter, he seems to think, okay, we could we could set up shrines here, as one translation puts it. Uh, we could set up temples here, as another translation puts it. And this could be a place where we we stay on the mountain, and people come to us, and it's wonderful and glorious. But that's not real. You know, Jesus isn't going to accomplish his purpose. If he doesn't go back down the mountain, Moses and Elijah have wasted their time coming to talk to him. <laughs> if he doesn't go back down the mountain, of course, I always think about Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus about his death, uh, about his departure, as one proper translation puts it. Um, and I always think, I wonder if Jesus pushed back. It would be my tendency to push back on this when it's Moses and Elijah talking to me about the uh, about my death, because Jesus knows that he's going to be lifted up, like he says in uh, in the third chapter of John. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. He knows he's going to be crucified. Um, he's going to die a horrible death. He knows the prophet Isaiah has mentioned that by his stripes we are healed. And so he knows there's going to be beating. Uh, there's going to he knows all of this. He, he, he's been to Jerusalem enough for 
33 years. He's been to Jerusalem enough when they have crucified people on the sides of the road leading into the city. He's seen the pain, the anguish, the hurt, and he knows that's what he's about to experience in in a matter of time. It would be, for me, my human nature would have me look at Moses and go, you're talking to me about my departure. You died of old age. You were drawn up on a mountain, caught up on top of a mountain. You were allowed to look over the promised land. You, your days, as it said, were accomplished. And you died of old age, and God buried you. And then he could have turned easily to Elijah and said, And you, you're talking to me about my death? You rode to heaven in a chariot of fire. And so now you're talking to me about my death when you didn't even die. Uh, I mean, I personally would have had all kind of issue. Jesus, I'm sure, knew how important this was, and he didn't allow his human side to override his divine side. And so I'm sure he understood and appreciated and drew great comfort and strength from Moses and Elijah being there to remind him what you're about to do. It's, yeah, it's going to be hard and it's, it's going to be awful, but what you're about to do is to fulfill the law and to fulfill the prophets and to fulfill your father's plan of bringing people back to him, finding a way to bring people back through ultimate forgiveness. And you're about to shed your blood to be the forgiveness of people, to allow us to anyone and everyone to call upon you and ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. And so I'm sure Jesus didn't get sarcastic or snarky about it. I'm sure he appreciated it. My human side said I would want to debate this a little bit because these might not be the two people that really represent death to me. Well, I will say Elijah has come in handy at our house because we had a cat disappear. And we started going down all the different routes of what could have happened to the cat. And we landed and voted that we were pretty sure that Elijah's chariot came back and got the cat. And so it eliminated all the other possibilities, and we were able to celebrate that the cat had you know, a happy ending with this. But yeah, I mean, Jesus is talking to two people who, they had their moments. But it was nothing like what he was going to experience. No, no. But it, it is a representation of, of the law and the prophets, who were the two symbols of authority uh, of, of the Old Testament. Uh, and, and they're wrapped up here with Jesus and are uh, you know, kind of giving Jesus their blessing. Well, and – we look at this passage and we we think about how this is always an order of the day it is always the passage that leads us and prepares us for the observation of of lent and the preparation for uh the for uh monday thursday and good friday and easter sunday and we know that this is the moment where Elijah and Moses are preparing him and they are getting him, giving him that news that this is the year, uh, this is when you become the 
the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world, this is it. But also think for us, this is an order of the day getting us ready for Lent because of the message that God shares in this passage. Um, it's the message Peter, James, and John, but I think, and, and, and it really isn't a question. Um, it comes with an exclamation point as in an order, and I think it's probably an order that we need to heed as well. When the cloud comes and surrounds them, the voice comes from the cloud and says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And I think every year when I read this passage or the one from the other synoptic gospels, and I'm reading the the Luke passage of the transfiguration and or something like that. And I'm, I'm thinking about the transfiguration. I'm thinking about it being an order of the day. It comes always before the beginning of Lent and, and Ash Wednesday and all of that. I think for me, this is the critical part that maybe more so in Lent than we have allowed ourselves to do up to this point. We need to listen to Jesus. Listen to him. I mean, it's, it's an order from God in this passage. Listen to him. And maybe that's, what, maybe that's why this is for us a order of the day. Get ourselves ready to go to Ash Wednesday and think about what we are going to lay down and give up during Lent or what we're going to take on during Lent. Maybe we make those decisions not by just doing what we've always done or doing uh, something that, well, we we probably need to lose weight anyway, so we're not going to eat chocolate. Um, But what would Jesus tell us? to lay down or to take up. As we move through the Sundays of Lent, what's Jesus trying to tell us through these days? How is, what's Jesus trying to tell us about how to be prepared for Easter, to get our hearts ready to once again remember his sacrifice on the cross for us, to once again think about the fact he dies for us. What's Jesus saying to us as we move through the days of Lent? So I think for us, it's it's an order of the day uh, for the Christian year, but also for us as disciples of Jesus. We're reminded, listen to him. As he is willing to go and do this on our behalf, He has a lot he can share with us. And so how are you going to listen to Jesus this Lenten season? How are you going to find that time in your day to pray and to read Scripture, to think about what Jesus would say to you? Maybe even going back and asking that question that was so popular on little bracelets a long time ago in various moments of your day, asking what would Jesus do in this moment? Or maybe what would Jesus say in response to what I've just heard? Or how would Jesus respond or react 
to what I, to what's going on in my life at this moment. Maybe this Lenten season, that's the message that carries us through. Listen to Jesus. Well, I hope that as you begin your Lenten journey, that that will be your guide. And I hope that you'll join us again next week as we continue to seek our purpose. Thank you.